Welcome to this podcast for April 19th, 2020. I am Pastor Joe Cheerhart from Hillside Church in Tahlequah, Oklahoma. We have finished our Holy Week and Easter Sunday messages and have now a couple more before we return to our church services. Today I will be speaking from the New Testament book of James, chapter 4. I ran across some quotes about friends that I would like to read to you. The first one says, Choose your friends wisely, for you will tend to be like them. Another one says, You cannot change the people around you, but you can change the people you choose to be around. A similar one reads like this, Be around the people you want to be like, because you will be like the people you are around. And then, choose your friends carefully, for you reveal your character not only by the company you keep, but by the company you avoid. Just how much are we influenced by our friends? Do you remember friends from childhood and how much influence they had on you? As a parent or perhaps a grandparent, Aren't you concerned who your children or grandchildren spend a lot of time with? Our friends play a big part in our lives, don't they? A lot of times a parent talking about a wayward child will point back to a certain friend or group of friends that their son or daughter began to hang out with. And you know, while we can't just push all blame onto others for our problems, a person's friends often do make a major impact on their lives, don't they? Our Bible passage today warns us against a certain friendship that can seem very attractive and even exciting, but is very damaging. On the surface, this friendship looks so good and fulfilling and rewarding, but under the surface, it is destructive. We must always guard against stepping into this friendship. We're going to be looking into the first 10 verses of the New Testament book of James, chapter 4. James was the half-brother of Jesus. He did not believe that Jesus was the Jewish Messiah until after Jesus' resurrection. But then he ended up becoming a top leader of the first century church. And when we read James, his words are very straightforward. He doesn't really pull punches when he, when he writes or speaks. If you watched any of the Golden Globes Awards some months back, James reminds me of Ricky Gervais hosting the awards and the way he spoke to the Hollywood celebrities. James is writing to Jewish converts to Christianity living outside the land of Israel. And he is addressing some problems plaguing the church. He is saying those problems stem from a friendship they have entered into. Now, if you just listen to James chapter 4 in the first three verses, he says, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire but do not have, so you kill. You covet but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. 
he doesn't mince words, does he? He says their quarrels stem from their selfish desires. So they have these selfish desires. They covet what others have. When they can't get what they selfishly want, they fight each other over it. He even says they kill each other over these matters. Now, that word used for kill is also used for harsh, slanderous language in other parts of the Bible. And most Bible scholars believe that he is not really talking about literal murder because he just moves on and doesn't really stop and make it a strong emphasis. They say he's probably talking of some strong uh, language of hatred. He then goes on to say that they don't even turn to God with their desires. It's like God isn't even in the equation. And if they do go to God, it's only with selfish motives. Totally wrong attitudes. James is describing a real mess here, isn't he? I mean, this church, or these churches, are screaming with problems. Our churches are supposed to be lighthouses, aren't they? They're supposed to be places where people can discover the truth about God. Places where people can discover how to find forgiveness for their sins. And when all we try to do is have our own way, or exclude people we don't like, or go after people we don't agree with, then we show that we have the wrong desires within ourselves. Instead of wanting to help others grow in Christ, we are wanting everyone to please us. And when someone doesn't, we are ready to go to battle. That is the problem some of these churches are having. Quarrels and fights coming from selfish desires. But now James tells these Christians why they are acting so opposite of their faith. Why they are living and responding in such an anti-Christian or unchristian manner. And do you know what the main problem is? It's a friendship they have made. They have chosen the wrong friend. Remember how we talked about the influence of our friends and how influential friends can be? Well, James is saying that these Christians have made friends with someone who has totally led them down the wrong pathway. I want you to listen to verse 4 as I read it. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity against God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes, becomes an enemy of God. The friend that these Christians James is talking to or writing to have taken to the world. And James says that friendship with the world means enmity with God. Enmity is hostility. And he says, anyone who chooses the world for a friend ends up opposing God himself. In other words, we have to make a choice between God or the world. But maybe somebody would ask, what's so wrong with the world? Didn't God create the world? Well, you know, he isn't talking about planet Earth so much. 
He's talking about the world that has turned their backs on God. Those who choose not to turn to Jesus Christ for salvation. Those who reject the message of salvation from Scripture. Who say that mankind must look inside himself for the meaning of life. Rejecting counsel from God. And when we reject Jesus Christ as the answer, we open ourselves up to every wind of teaching that just comes along. We reject the only pathway that leads to eternal life. And then we fall for the teachings of the world that has rejected Jesus Christ as the way, the truth, and the life. And we make up our own rules as we move into self-serving, self-absorption, Self, selfish creatures. And we end up giving our hearts and energies to things that are opposed to God. Marriage just becomes a man-made institution that lasts for as long as we love one another. Pornography becomes something helpful in difficult times. Cheating on taxes is just something everyone does. Your gender is just an assignment from, from the birth doctor not something made in the image of God. Politics becomes manipulating meanings of words to gain power, not a position of serving. All of that and more can happen when we choose the wrong friendship. And then verse 5 says, Or do you think Scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has cause to dwell in us? James is saying that God strongly desires our love and devotion for him. God has given us his all. He has sacrificed his only son for our salvation. He has proven a love for us that is unequaled, unquestionable, and he longs for us to reciprocate that love and so when it comes to people making a choice between friendship with the world or friendship with God, verse 6 says, But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. James is saying that choosing God over the world is really an act of humility. You see, people reject God and his offer of salvation often because they do not want to submit to God's ways. They want to answer only to themselves. But those who do accept God's ways receive his grace and favor. Those whose pride will not allow them to turn to Jesus Christ are working against God himself. They are choosing the world as their friend. So in this instance, our choice, of friend make, our choice of friends makes all the difference in the world. And it even makes all of the difference for eternity. A friend of God or a friend of the world that opposes God. And we see in the scriptures, God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Those who submit to God will find him as their friend. And now what is our answer? Well, you know, it really depends upon where you are in your life. 
James is talking to these people who are facing all sorts of church problems because they have slid over to the world's side. They have adopted the world's values, the world's practices, the world's self-centered attitudes. They probably haven't been taking steps to make their faith stronger. As time goes on, if we neglect our time with God in prayer, if we do not have God's word being fed into our hearts and minds regularly, if we avoid fellowship with Christian brothers and sisters, if we don't devote any time to help those in need, if we come, become a stranger to the people of our church family, we can expect a slow movement, a slow transference from having a bright, vibrant faith in the Lord to a weakening faith that loses touch. That's when we find ourselves facing all types of spiritual problems. Problems as individuals, problems in families, problems in churches. That's where these people found themselves that James is writing to. All kinds of problems. Quarrels, battles, selfishness, using the wisdom of the world and not the wisdom of God. But you know, there is an answer. And James gives this answer in verses 7 through 10. <clears throat> he says, Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. There is always a way back to God if we are willing to repent. He desires that we return to him whenever we stray. Many times God has pictured or has been pictured or explained as the big man with the hammer just waiting to come down on anyone who makes a mistake. Someone who stands there daring anyone to try to have fun or exercise some freedom. But you know what the real picture of God is? Jesus actually gave it oh, in many ways, but this is the one people remember most. The picture of God that Jesus told was of the father standing out by the road, waiting for that prodigal son to return. The son that wanted his inheritance right now, right here, and left and went to a country far away being far away from, you know, <clears throat> his father, his family. He was just rejecting it all. And, of course, we know what happened to him. He spent all of his money. All of his friends left him, his so-called friends. And he was just eating, hoping to eat the food that the pigs were eating, or was eating. And so, when he came to his senses finally... He realized how much he left, and he went back to the father. And the father, he wasn't just standing by the road. 
waiting to laugh, waiting to reject him, was he? The father ran out to greet him. He kissed him. He brought him back home. That's the father's heart toward those who choose to return. And James tells these troubled Christians to turn back to God with broken hearts. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and God will come near to you. It's, it's up to us, isn't it? We can just turn at any time and go back to God, no matter what we've done, no matter how bad we've been, no matter how far we've strayed. God is always willing to take us back. And it says the way we can get God to come near to us is that we can come near to him. We go near to him. And so it's always up to us. We can turn the key at any time. That's the Father's heart. And he says, wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Meaning, stop whatever you're doing that's wrong and cleanse your heart. Turn your heart to God. Double-minded is when you want to do one thing one time and the opposite thing the next time. You're, you're standing strong with God one day and you're standing against him the next. He says, don't be double-minded. Just submit yourself to God totally. Follow him. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Repent with all your heart. Go to God and ask for his help. Change your laughter to mourning, your joy to gloom. He's just saying, humble yourself. Go to God with a broken heart. And that way he will pull you in, bring you to himself, and help you to rebuild. So, May we be those who always turn back to God when necessary. May, be, may we be ones who grow in our faith regularly. And maybe don't have to turn back to God, hopefully. And may we be ones who help others find him in their time of need. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your love for us. And we thank you for your giving heart that will take us back at any time. And in order for you to come near to us, we just have to come near to you. So thank you for that, dear Lord. Thank you for this letter. Thank you for this passage. And help us to take it to heart. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.